Hey there, folks. It's the Uticast, episode number 82. We are back, and this week we are talking with Relay for Life Volunteer Publicity Chair Amy Pastorella to talk about the upcoming kickoff event. Uh, Plus, we're talking about the last week of Barack Obama, uh, flying cars, Amazon, uh, Prohibition, and of course, we're answering a little bit of listener mail. All that and more, episode 82. We're happy to have you back, folks. ready for an episode that written down I got lots of content ready and then sometimes something will happen in life that is uh you know it like takes up your attention you know what I mean like sure you, like you have plans and then something happens and it steals your attention away from those plans now all you can think about is that thing that has stolen your attention away from the plans you initially had right in this case you brought me my belated birthday present today which was a dope Sega Genesis with four games, and now all I can think of is how much I want to get this show finished so we can go back to playing NBA Jam. Kevin, your thoughts? Uh, My thoughts, first and foremost, are all I can think about is how I wish I didn't go out and get you a birthday present today because I could have gone to lunch instead if I had known I was going to get held off on eating until like 8 o'clock. Yes, yes, I am very I blame Mara for that. I um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mara's supposed to be taking us to dinner after this. Apparently, that was our that was our gift. Our that's Christmas our gift. gift to us was she wants to start doing monthly Uticast dinners, and she wanted the first one to be on her. Which just behind. means that now we've got to hold off, and it's like four o'clock, and I haven't eaten all day, and it's a it's a very tough time. It's tough. Uh, other than that, um, <laughs> the no, you know what? I did have a little piece of pita bread at about ten o'clock this morning, so I'll probably subsist. I'm not, you... not like I'm going anywhere. I don't think I'm wasting away. But uh, the Sega Genesis is cool. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So for all of our uh, our listeners out there of a certain age range, of course, because there's a certain amount of people who are like, what's a Sega Genesis? To which the answer is, use the internet. But for the certain age range of people out there who are aware of what that is, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook. Let us know what games we should purchase Yeah, it turns out if you, if you go to uh, Game Craze in Sangerton Mall, which is where I got it, uh, the guy was telling me they are a chain they're based out of Rochester. They've got about 15 mm. stores just around. But they had a huge selection. I noticed it when I was Christmas shopping. I was like, oh, they have every old system. Like, any system you can think of, they've got a couple. They gave me a 60-day warranty. It's not very expensive. They have tons and tons mm. of games. And I don't really remember with Sega, and I figured I'd get, like, I got a couple of baseline games. Mm. And then I figured I would let you, you know, make moves afterwards. But if anybody can think of a Sega Genesis game that we should get to play... Uh, please let us know because that's what I found out when I was in there. I realized how many I've forgotten over the years. We get a lot of people say Sonic. Certainly, Sonic mm-hmm. is very popular. Tell we can tell them what games. I guess what games what is we, we got have. Sonic Two, uh, WrestleMania, the arcade game. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, NBA Jam, and of course Street Fighter. It has some insane name like Super Championship Edition. Yeah, it's a uh, Street Street Fighter Two. Yeah, <laughs> that's the it's one. Number two. Street Fighter Two is what it is. Uh, yeah. Got some crazy name like two. Like number two. Uh, yeah, I will say this though. Um, 
it's funny that uh, that you went out and got this, and I do appreciate it. it's a great gift. But yesterday, I had shown you guys some of the uh, some YouTube videos about the new Nintendo system that's coming out, and some of the new games that are coming out for PlayStation Four. And I'm, sure, I'm always kind of curious about video games, but it is funny. Video games are an interesting um, are an interesting like timeline to look at when it comes to like technology, because you know I grew we grew up in an age range when you know video games were this, and it's pretty impressive like at the time and even now when you still play like a nintendo game a super nintendo game i'm still like it's pretty impressive that they made this at the time but now video games are basically like toy story cgi movies with like massive like cg budgets and it's like how much of this is a game (laughs) we played like we played sonic today and we pretty much played the whole game in like 40 minutes like the whole game yeah (laughs) like we, we i know everything i need to know about that game now same with wrestling nba jam could last forever um. So yeah, great birthday present. Good hey, call. Aim to please. I know you were trying to get that Nintendo system that nobody can buy. I <laughs> was, I was, but nobody's got it anywhere. So uh, it's been a while, but I wanted to uh, bring back a special, a special segment, uh, which is weird life moments with Sam because I have these weird. Uh, Has inter- that been a while? It's been a while. I gotta tell you. <laughs> well, particularly weird life situations that you may or may not find yourself in. And uh, here's a chance for you to hear how I handled it and how you could probably do better in your own right. Um, and here's one. And this has ever happened to you or you jump in at any point in time. But I was at work last weekend and I work with a variety of people. It's a really... That's s- happened to me. I do have a job. I do work with a variety of people. <laughs> but it's a this small... This sounds familiar. It's a small group of people. About like There's probably less than 15 people. Out, sure. All things considered, right? Yeah. So I was at a work event on Friday, and at the and work event's going fine. I'm I'm off you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, so I'm looking forward to my three day weekend. And right at the end of the day, one of my coworkers comes out to me and goes, "I was like, all right, I'll see you later." And she goes, "No, you won't. I got fired." So now we're standing there. Ooh, I had a coworker get fired on Friday. <laughs> on Friday, yeah. yeah. Matter of fact. So so now I'm sitting there with the coworker. Like I'm like, oh, uh, geez. That's what happened, right? Because now I don't really want to know because in my head, because I'm a bad person, in my head, it's like, I don't really care. Like, true. You got fired because you probably did something wrong, I would assume, or, you know, or I'm next on the chopping block. It's one or the other, right? They're firing everybody or you did something wrong. But how do you, what's the gen, how do you respond to somebody at your work who got fired when you're still working at the job? It's not like you can be like, yeah, you don't need this job, screw them. You just, <laughs> oh man, you just give them the, you give them the same, you know, the same swim move shit that you give the people about almost any, like, social awkward situation you want to talk about. You're just like, oh, really? Oh man, I, oh, I had, oh, that's terrible. I didn't know what to do, so I, I, I just gave her a hug. I said, I'm sorry. You touched her? Well, yeah, I do. Ooh. Man, you really didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> How do you respond? No, you just give them a, oh, that's awful. Like, and you just sort of, I mean, if it's somebody you're kind of close with, you can commiserate about things you hate from the job. I got lucky you. At least you get to get out of here. Just make some light of it. You know, it's going to be okay. But that's, you just keep it moving at that point. Like, <laughs> you got 90 seconds to end that interaction. Just like, oh, I got to go. Sorry. And I really, I, I did find my way out of it very quickly. Like, I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sure you'll do fine, blah, blah, blah. And I sort of walked away, right? And then hid. Uh, but she, all right, so here's the backup part of the story. There's other people I work with, 15 other people, obviously, and one of them is really close friends with her. And she is in a different office with my two bosses. And she's like, when you go in the office, could you tell Joanne, that's not her name, but whatever, uh, Joanne to come out here and, 
and talk to me for a second? I'm like, no. No, no, I refuse. no, no, no. Because no, the last thing I'm going to no, do. No, I'm not getting involved. The last thing I'm going to do is go into my boss's office and say, excuse me, guys. Hey, Joanne, do you mind going out and talk to that person we just canned who doesn't, who doesn't want me to? Like, <laughs> I'm like, no. Nah. I'm like, I'm sorry that you that this all went poorly, but this is as much involvement as I can have. No, it's you tell people, listen, I'm not comfortable getting involved like past a certain point. Because, yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to insert yourself into a situation where you know they're already firing people. Now, granted, I didn't, get involved. I didn't have to fire her. I've never been in a situation in any job where I've had to fire anybody. I've never been in a position of firing people. Or hiring or firing people. So that that's like a different... I fired I fired my first person this year. My first employee. And my first tough, staff member. Probably. No. No. It was... Um, <laughs> that, this kid This kid was cruising for it. The kid, <laughs> the kid that I fired was cruising for it. Had it been up to me, I would have fired him probably six weeks before he got fired. Mm. But my... Um, my the boss next level above me who sort of makes decisions for the department at the time um, was on vacation mm-hmm. and he was a little bit softer than I was with people. He was a lot more forgiving, a lot more second chances, a lot more let's sit down and talk. Mm-hmm. And this kid was just, I mean, he was shirking work the entire summer long. He wasn't doing anything. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I had to, you know, just make a decision. It was on the fly. It was mm-hmm. in the middle of something. You know what I mean? It was in the middle of a shift. It was in the middle of a day. It wasn't one of these. It wasn't like a... Because you've got people who work part-time for you like that, it's a little more like firing in the mm. moment as opposed to like when you're firing like a full-time salaried employee, you sort of make a plan and you do it on a Friday and there's all these extra steps. With you know, with the, the people that work for me on that level, it's pretty much just that mm. you come in to work, you go yeah. home from work, so it's like, hey, go home, don't come back. You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, it was, it was weird though. It was mm. definitely weird because it was just – it was – but I made the snap decision. I called. I called the boss. I'm like, "Hey, look, this, this person's got to go. Like, just got to do it." You should have just sent him an email that said, "Life finds a way." Kevin Sullivan, send. That would have been a good. <laughs> then he wouldn't have known what I was talking about. I would have been better off giving him a hug, like you would have. Hey, like, hey, sorry, I gotta let you go. Just they're there. They're oh. there. Any <laughs> horrifying. So awkward life moments. They continue to be weird and awkward. As I see I your older. finger hovering over that space bar. Are we about to move on here? We are going to move on. Tomorrow's going to be here in just a moment. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with MAD. takes a long time to lag. Yeah. Because this is actually the first MacBook. <laughs> yeah. This is the first edition. The, no, I just... In no, this gen- is the very first one. Like, the serial number says 0000000. 000 I don't believe you, but if that's true, that's <laughs> impressive. But I know it's not. If I opened up the computer to show you, it may not work again. So I'm afraid <laughs> I'm... <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, Mara, welcome back. Thanks. It's happy to have you here on what is officially the last week of Barack Obama on the Unicast. That's right. After this week's episode... Good friend of the podcast, President Obama. <laughs> GFOP, Barack Obama. Uh, I've been seeing Barack and Michelle all over like media lately. I saw Michelle was on Jimmy Fallon it's and like Barack... like they died. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like they died and everyone's like talking about it in mourning. Uh, well, what do you... I, I don't know what your feelings were for the Obamas in general, although I always liked, I always liked Barack. I, I dug his 
character. I dug the way he carried himself. Yeah. Uh, if anyone watched him giving Biden the Medal of Freedom with distinction a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, that was pretty sad. One of the most genuinely, like, heartfelt moments of politics I've watched in a long time. That seemed like they actually really cared about what they were doing. Oh. As opposed to most politics. Would you believe it? <laughs> I don't know if I believe it, actually. Oh. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So, Obama's leaving fairly well to Obama. Let me ask you a question. This is, I guess... Do you think that we'll get more Obama in the future? Like, is no. Michelle a potential political? Oh, yeah. No, Michelle's not a potential political one. That That's ridiculous. Number one, she said... Just curious. Yeah. No, because people say, like, Michelle, run, Michelle, run. Michelle has no experience. She's a nice yeah. lady and she's wonderful. But she's already said she's not going to run. Mm. And honestly, she has no business running as much as we all like her. But mm-hmm. Barack Obama is a very young man, considering sure. when most presidents leave, leave office. So, yeah, I think he'll probably take some time to chill out and decompress for a little bit. But I expect to see him be a major player on the political stage probably the next 20, 25 years. Do you think if Michelle ran, people would look at it the same way as Hillary running? I think that it would be more equivalent to Trump running. In, like a populist. Actually. Well, then she might too early. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, maybe she... <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I just, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if they would. I hope... I, I don't think we'll see Michelle specifically in politics, but, like, all of the things that she has running, like, what is it, like, Public 60 seconds yeah. or play again or whatever, mm-hmm. like, that I think we're going to see yeah. a lot of, but probably I think you I think you'll see her in the public eye, but, I mean, she's vehemently said, I'm not ever going to run for office. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know what I mean? She's yeah. like, I've seen what it is. It's not appealing. Yeah. It's and not attractive. And how they treated her husband. You know, it would be even worse with her. It'd be twice as bad because she's also a woman, not oh just, like, God, a black yeah. woman, but also, you know, so... Yeah. That'd be hard. No, but I think that would be, you know, it's it's crazy because a lot of times when presidents leave office, they are very old or wildly unpopular, and Obama is neither. Neither is his wife, so I think that you will probably see both of them continue to stay involved for a long time to come, which... Yeah. You know, one one could, last. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, mean, I was just going to say you could argue either way whether that's a helpful thing or not. Yeah. You, know, you can make the argument either way, but I think you'll see it. Right. One interesting Obama story I heard that that was funny is the Chicago Cubs moved up their White House visit after winning the World Series because oh. they didn't want it to be with Trump. They're like, no, no, can we get it in before they change over? I don't blame oh him. <laughs> Obama's a Chicago guy too, and he's, yeah, a, yeah. he's a White Sox fan, so I know they want to go in there and stick it to him. I want to I want to set a scenario up for you guys. This happened to me last week, and maybe it's happened to you guys in your own personal lives, but I was having a conversation with somebody, and I don't like to have a conversation about politics, but sometimes... <laughs> I, you were gonna say, I was having a conversation with somebody, and I don't like to have conversations <laughs> with people. I <laughs> Generally. I try not to have political conversations with strangers, but I had this, I had this conversation, it happened, and I think me and this other person realized... That without saying it, we voted for the opposite people and didn't want to say it to each other, but we yeah. had to have that conversation. And because he was sort of being very pro Trump, and uh-huh. I was sort of being kind of uh, very negatively Trump. And he was like, "Well, you kind of got to give him a chance and all this thing." And, and well, you and don't have much of a choice, do you? You don't have much yeah, of why a do choice. You keep saying that. And I think, and I think that as we've getting gotten closer, and I've done a little bit more research. The Trump part of it actually isn't what scares me. I'm more surrounded by all the folks that Trump surrounded himself with. Yeah. Like, that's the scarier thing to me. The The real fear and concern is that he's going to act as a rubber stamp for the more batshit aspects of the mm-hmm. GOP agenda. He's going to act as a rubber stamp for them to do whatever they want. And he's just going to go out there and glad hand and mouth off on Twitter and be sort of a puppet. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? Man, no, I'm no puppet. You're a puppet. Uh, <laughs> no, I do think, though, that, like, to a certain extent, like, let's take the Obama thing, the Obamacare thing, for example, right? Like, one of his official statements was, we're going to repeal it, we're going to replace it with something terrific. Mm. I don't know if that works in any other scenario of life. Like, if he came out and was like, 
we're going to repeal cars and we're going to replace them with something terrific. Well, what are you going to replace them with? Because a lot of us rely on these cars We've for our day-to-day -day life. We've been asking him that the whole time. We'll, we'll never so get an answer. So how are you going to do that exactly? Well, the funniest the funniest part is, you know, to the, he came out and said today, he was like, yeah, you know, I think I'd like to get a situation where we have insurance for everybody. And it's like, well, that's... <laughs> Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, you know. Oh but I think the, the bigger thing is, and this is without getting too partisan, you know, we, we play our political hand aggressively hard on this show all the time. Sure. But without digging in too deep into like politics of one side or another, all I will say is that the Republicans in Congress have had eight years mm -hmm. to come up with an alternate to the Affordable Care Act. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm done with the Obamacare thing too. Mm -hmm. They've had eight years to come up with any kind of a replacement. Yeah. To bring any kind of bill to the floor, and they could say, "Oh, we know it get vetoed. We know it get something." Well, show the people you have something because yeah. you don't. Because no you know what I mean? Like, it. if you had, so, if you had something, you would. If you had something good, you would present it, and you don't. So wait and see. And like I said, maybe we'll be proved wrong, but the track record doesn't look great. And I got to be honest, as a guy who I voted for Obama twice, but with the Affordable Care stuff, I filled out. I did my taxes last year, and I took that hit for not having mm -hmm. the insur you know, the the appropriate insurance, and that sucked as yeah. a guy who voted for him, and I sucked it up as like, well, this is just like part of the process, right? Like, trust the process. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't mean that because I'm on one side, I can't see the negatives. Like, Obamacare does kind of seem like a bit of a failure, at least from my end. It didn't work for me and my okay. personal standpoint. And why? Uh, because it wasn't particularly more affordable than any insurance I had gotten through work in the past. It didn't seem like I was getting a better deal with the Affordable Care Act than it was through my insurance with any of the jobs I've taken it with. Okay. That was always my singular issue with it. Right, but so what What do you think it was about the bill that made that to be the case, is the question. I think the idea, well, I guess the question is, do you feel, I guess it really comes down to the question, do you feel like everyone has to have health care? On your own personal, but do you, I don't feel like if you don't want to pay for health care, you shouldn't have to. The problem is that you, I don't like the tax you get for not choosing to have health care. Because by not choosing to have health care, you're putting yourself personally in a shittier mm -hmm. like situation life-wise. Like any single moment could be a huge problem. Kind of, but people you know, people can say that. And that's the argument. People are like, oh, why should I be forced to pay for other people's insurance if I don't want it? Because if you don't have insurance and something happens to you and you get taken to the emergency room... They're still going to work on you, and mm -hmm. that bill's still going to the taxpayers. Mm. So people are still paying otherwise, and people say that. They're like, I'm young and I'm healthy. Why do I need this insurance? Because one day you're not going to be. And shit yeah, right. happens. And, and, and things happen, <laughs> yeah. and something could pop up, but it's the idea of, you know, everybody in the society finding a way to look out for, you know, other people in the society. Sure. I always go back to the thing, if we're supposed to be the greatest country in the world, and we're the richest country that the that human civilization has ever seen by many fold, then there should be then there's certainly a way that we can take care of every single person. I think that people shouldn't be going into bankruptcies and losing their house because they had the poor taste to come down with a case of the cancer. That's well, disgusting. And that's also ties into the fact that a lot of our like we're the wealthiest country in the world, but most of our wealth is locked up within a small amount of the population. Not everyone right. has access to that wealth. And, well, and, that, and that's a whole separate thing, but like even if you just look at the money that the government has and take about the private sector and all that stuff, the problem with I get fired up when people are like, you know, I look at the Affordable Care Act and like look it didn't work and I think it was a weak bill and this and that. Okay, but let's look at what happened when that legislation was proposed and when that was brought to Congress and let's look at how the Senate and Congress Republicans gutted the bill and changed everything around mm. and there was stuff that was supposed to be in there that they couldn't get in to get it passed. 
So that was never going to be the end of the line, but it was a step in the direction that we need to go. And the reason everybody's health insurance is expensive isn't because of the Affordable Care Act or anything like that. It's expensive because the cost of care is getting more expensive mm -hmm. in this country, separate of the law. Premiums have been rising before the law was passed, and they continued to rise after it was passed. And the problem is that there's very little incentive for insurance companies to care about providing coverage that people can afford because their profits are at an all-time high. They've continued to climb every single year. So the problem, again, is with a lack of regulation and oversight on high-level, high-money-making private enterprises. Well, intense stuff, intense political stuff, and we get Trump for real next week. Trump for real. I guess, it's, you know, it doesn't even matter because it already feels like he's the president now. Yeah, right? Like Everywhere you go, it's like every conversation, every TV channel, he's already the president. It doesn't matter when the inauguration is. Um, I will say one last thing about it, though. He did say today he's going to keep his Twitter account. Doesn't care. Just going to keep it up. Of course he doesn't care. Oh, my God. If he's, he's so stubborn. If he's keeping his businesses and his conflicts of interest, I wouldn't imagine he'd get rid of his Twitter account. Uh, speaking of things that people should probably think about getting rid of, uh, I am a big uh, soda guy. You notice that over the years. I You're drink a huge soda guy. I love soda. Love, I know. Uh, but because of this, I fell into a bit of an internet deep dive here about uh, about sugar. And I've seen a lot of internet interest in sugar as the major health problem in our country today. Mm -hmm. uh, that seems to be the co that seems to be the common. We have a health problem. Well, well, let's really? put it this way: uh, since 1980, uh, obesity in men and women, uh, men and women in this country has risen. For men, it's gone from 10 to 35 percent of men, or no. and then for women, it's 16 to 42 since 1980. 16 to 42. Yeah. Yeah. Rate of obesity, yeah, yeah, it's insane. What? It's uh, <laughs> huge. Uh, I'm sure. That, yeah, I think it ties into something larger than that. It's like overweight and obese people rise in terms of. It's not a number of percentage. Uh, I have to pull it up. But regardless, wow. we are in worse shape in terms of obesity in this country than we ever have been. And a lot of people are saying that this is because we've ingrained sugar into most of our food products. Also, because we're really lazy. Well, that's it's all part of a larger thing too. I think that's not really that's not that's a small part of it. But compared to the types of foods that people are eating, the types of foods that are available. Oh to, yeah, it's a combination of things for sure. Uh, well, let's let's. Uh, this is a couple of numbers I pulled up here when I was doing my research today. Three fourths. I know you guys love research. Uh, three fourths of all. Packaged and processed food and drink in this country contains some form of sweetener or sugar, whether it's hidden as corn syrup or regular sugar. Right. Uh, and inherently, like, we've sort of normalized sugar as part of our diets. One of the things they talked about a lot in the articles that I was reading was breakfast, like American breakfast. Oh, my God. Like, American yeah. breakfast is primarily dessert. Yeah. It, <laughs> oh, my God. I don't, even, I don't even eat cereal anymore. Like, cereal, like, I go waffles and stuff. Not so much that it's packed with sugar, but I mean, for God's sakes, it's horrible for you, but you're raised being told that, like, that's normal. Well, there's a reason for this. Uh, historically, like, large-scale food companies have added fats and sugars and salts to processed food in general as a way to sort of get us hooked and get us coming back for more and more food. This has been going on since the 50s, yeah. right? And I think this is sort of the... And that's sort of the part that's important, Right. This has been going on for such a long time that it's only now that we're starting to see the results of a society that's much more unhealthy. And as a guy who doesn't take a lot very seriously about his like health, I eat just pretty much whatever I want. A lot of these articles scared me. I used to laugh I about. Yeah. I used to laugh when Michael Bloomberg tried to like put the soda tax 
on in New York City, but maybe he didn't have the wrong idea. <laughs> Yeah, I don't Kev, think it was totally wrong. Kev, you don't eat as much sugar as me, I would say. You probably don't eat as many sweets as I do. get the sugar from a different place, though, because you, you make that point that sugar really sort of factors in in everything. Um, if you want to go back and read about it and do some reading, you can look at the effect that um, the lobbyists who represent large companies, uh, large like sugar-based companies, companies who sell sugar products, things like that, you can look at what they did to influence the published uh, information on the stuff that causes health problems. Mm. For a long time, people were sort of demonized and worried about a couple different things that don't really have that much input. Well, these people snuck sugar in the back door, again, because of you know purchasing political influence and stuff like that. Um, it, it's horrible. I mean, the access... One of the biggest problems you notice is obesity is a much larger problem and, and you know, a lack of general health in poorer populations, mm-hmm. and it's lack of access to good foods. Yeah. Because you can go out and you can go, you know, work your ass off in the gym for two hours every single day, but if you're still eating garbage, it doesn't matter. Mm. That's that old fitness adage that everybody likes to trot out, you can't outrun a bad diet. Mm. And that's exactly what it is, and the access to the food and the ability to get it and the education on food and how to use fresh food and what food is good for you and actual nutritional education is severely lacking. Well, and it's so simple for you now to have food delivered to your home without even picking up a phone now Mm -hmm. that people don't want to prep their own food at home and people don't want to buy groceries. Like, Mm -hmm. nobody wants to do that. They want to go to McDonald's and they want to spend $1.50 on something that's going to fill them up with just, I don't know, it's just garbage. And I think people also don't know how. People are daunted when you give them a bunch, you know what I mean? If you give somebody... A bunch of tomatoes, a bunch of fresh vegetables, stuff like this. They don't really know what to do with it. Yeah, Nobody's separation. teaching that information anymore. There are 60 True. different euphemisms that uh, companies use uh, on their nutrition facts for sugar. 60 different potential things you could call it. Okay. Uh, which is insane. But one of the things that I thought was... I want to come back to the taxes thing about the Bloomberg thing. One of the things that adding a tax to like the sugary soft drinks does is it... It opens up the argument that we should be thinking about, like, sugar in the way that we think about, like, alcohol and tobacco in that way. Because it may have effects on us the same way that these things are. Like, what's the difference if I go out and I smoke a cigarette on the front porch or if I knock down a 16-ounce soda by myself? It's probably bad for you in different ways, but they're still both bad for you. And yet yeah. one of them is just accepted because it doesn't seem as bad, right? And you right? can get addicted to soda, too. I mean, people get addicted to food. I know people mm. that drink a big gulp every day before work. Yeah. And then they sit at their desk all day. And then they buy another can of soda at lunch. And they don't see anything wrong with it. Well, that's because humans in general are creatures of habit, I feel like, more often than not. Like, I yeah. feel better when I wake up in the morning and I have a cup of coffee. I don't even know if I taste that cup of coffee anymore. It's just Probably. habit to a yeah. certain point. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. This ties into the analogy that me and Kev were talking about last week. I think it's. I think we got it at the end. I think that no matter what happens going forward, this whole planet, this whole system, everything, it's all on the way down. We got oh, yeah. it at the end. There's no way it's getting better. That's my morbid, my morbid thought Jeez, for the day. Guy. It's true. Well, we'll be dead by then, so it's fine. It's my true. God, you guys are downers here. That's positive. Bring hope to the people out here. Uh, well, I do have a little bit of hope here for you. Uh, I have one cool future story. I talk a lot about how we never talk about any of the things in the future movies that are happening in real life. Like, where's all our, like, food and pill forms and our, like, dope flying backpacks and stuff? Well, have you guys seen Black Mirror yet? Uh, well, Still haven't watched it? I've talked about Black Mirror. Uh, apparently... We're finally getting those flying cars we've been talking about. Uh, Airbus CEO came out today saying that flying car prototypes will be ready for the end of the year, and they envision sort of an 
Uber type situation with ride sharing. Aren't we like just getting into the whole not having to drive thing? Now, that's a great point because I thought that was this thing as well. That I was like, well, happen. we just got that. Let's slow uh, down a little bit. Let me, yeah, let's talk about this for a second. I don't think it's possible that Airbus could produce a flying car prototype at the end of the year that would make me feel comfortable getting in a flying car by the end of the year. Some people can't even get on planes yet. What makes you think they're going to get on a bus? That's a fair point. <laughs> what kind of what kind of security is it going to take to get on an Airbus? Yeah, for God's sakes. No, no thanks. I'll pass. Do you not like the flying car future? Thoughts on that? I'll believe it when I see it. Mm. That's fair about point. it. You fair know point. what I mean? Yeah, if we, if we mm. can make it happen, let's we can do it. But I'll believe it when I see it. Mm. Got bigger fish to fry. I mean, every if you you can go through and troll for articles that promise everything in the world you could ever imagine is coming in ten years' time. Mm. We'll see. I feel like that's a bold thing to say if you're the CEO of Airbus, being like, "Oh yeah, end of the year prototypes, no big deal. We just got this." Well, yeah, but no, because that's not that's not a promise that you're making to do a thing. That's a strategic marketing device mm. that you've just deployed on the people. Yeah. people because now you're talking about Airbus, what it is, and who the CEO is, because he went out and said this thing. You can always spin it so that you don't have to deliver, but now you've got your name out there, put the idea into the consciousness, that's the move. Yeah. It's not actually about getting flying airbosses, it's about getting your company out there and getting your company to do better. Speaking of getting your company to do better, I got an email yesterday from Amazon reminding me that they were charging me $100 for my Amazon Prime re-up for this year. Uh, and I will say, I love my Amazon Prime. It's definitely been worth it. Apparently, a lot of people seem to like Amazon as well because there's an article today about the actual size of Amazon's market value compared to its competitors, and it's not looking good for the brick-and-mortar stores, my friend. Um, as of today, the market value for Amazon is at $355.9 billion. I think that's a lot of money, right? It's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, these, Do you have a percentage on that? Uh, I can pull it up for you if you'd like. I mean, it's not... You know, I don't need you doing like research on the air and stuff. I'm just gigging around. I was wondering if you knew. No. Well, the next seven largest uh, brick and mortar retailers combined, which are Sears, JCPenney, Nordstrom, Kohl's, Macy's, Best Buy, Target, Walmart, all combined for two hundred ninety-seven point uh, eight billion dollars. Combined. Combined. Now, it's important to know that a lot of this is because Amazon makes a ton of money off like cloud infrastructure and internet infrastructure that a lot of these companies don't. They also make a lot of money off, I mean, if you look at all those stores you just said, they mm. comprise a very small segment of products available mm. to be sold. There's a lot of things you can buy on Amazon that you can't buy any of those places as well, so you'd have right. to factor that in. Mm. As well as Amazon selling uh, streaming services, which counts into their money, mm -hmm. uh, like Fire TV, which counts into their money, selling their e-readers, selling their home assistants. Their overhead's not really different there. Things like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, not, yeah, not even that, so I think that... You know, you can mm. use those statistics to paint uh, the bleakest picture, and it's certainly on its way, but I don't mm. know if it's quite as bad as those numbers would show right off the bat. I don't know. I think, like, in a decade, a good couple of those are going to be gone. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know what I definitely. mean? There's no question about that. Um, yeah. I think we're going to get to a point where um, a lot of the mass market type stuff that you can get from Amazon, you'll see going primarily through online, and you'll see a bit of a resurgence in more specialty boutique-style items being offered at smaller mm. stores. Yeah. Well, I mean, has Amazon was talking about like doing like deliveries and stuff, like the drones delivery and stuff oh, yeah. like that. And then, I mean, if Amazon like deliver food, which they kind of do already, mm. you know, I mean, like dry foods and stuff, like it's game over. If they just had Amazon and Target, mm. I'd be fine. Well, you bring up a good point because. Amazon does cover a lot of ground. You see a lot of places that are like, we just sell dog food on the internet. We just sell like home supplies on the internet. The fact that Amazon has 
sort of become a one-word name for like, I gotta go grab something off the internet real quick. Let me jump on and do it. That that means something. The fact that it's like synonymous with a style of shopping. Oh, I'm yeah. just gonna get it on Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. It's that's like a that's a great way to to like pinpoint a market. Like you have it's like Google. Like Google's the name of a company, but it's also a, a verb. You know what I mean? Like they've turned their company into a verb. And I that's remember like impressive. eBay and Amazon used to be like on the same level. Does anyone use eBay anymore? Tons and tons really? and tons. Yeah, yeah. And tons but of like people. other than for selling things, because it's like mainly it's more used for sellers selling than have, it is buying, right? Sellers gotta have buyers. Yeah, you can't be a seller sense. if you're not a buyer. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think eBay evolved with the times as well as yeah. Amazon did. Like That's, Amazon expanded. eBay, eBay is a eBay is a fundamentally different mm. business than Amazon though yeah. too. When it really comes down to it, I mean, maybe not like at the fundamentals. There's still buyers and sellers exchanging goods for money, but mm-hmm. eBay is not. Mm. Like the same thing as Amazon. Yeah. They're, they're not really covering the same market or the same types of things. Right. All right. Very good work, guys. Uh, let's take a quick break here. We're going to go into this week's interview, and this is a uh, this is a good one here. Uh, Amy Pastorella is the volunteer publicity chair for the American Cancer Society, and she was uh, nice enough to join us this week to talk about the upcoming uh, Relay for Life, which actually takes place on June 10th, but their kickoff event is taking place uh, Thursday, February 16th at 6 p.m. at the Holiday Inn uh, in the Business Park. So if you're interested in being involved, uh, and if you're anything like us here at the show, you know, most people you know have probably been touched one way or another by cancer in their lives, either through family or friends or even personally uh and amy shared a very personal story about her life going through it so uh let's get into this week's interview and we'll be back in just a moment appreciate it yeah i appreciate you not judging the fact that i'm still wearing sweatpants this morning that you came over to the house to, to no. <laughs> no worries <laughs> uh but thank you for coming over it's a beautiful saturday morning here in the city of utica and uh i know that you know we both sort of work in the same field i'm on a three-day vacation i'm sure you are too so thank you for starting your three-day vacation yes. with us no problem <laughs> you have any big plans for your three-day vacation absolutely not just local low-key the best kind of plans it is yes definitely <laughs> So, Amy, I'm going to ruin your last name. Let me see if I can do this. I'm Italian, so I think I can. Pastorella? Yes. That's not bad. See, that wasn't so bad. You say it just as it sounds. That's Written right. Written by its syllables. And now, uh, because we're Italian, uh, and I have had Italian people on the show before, we're going to play the Uticast uh, Italian person game, which is how are we somehow related? Like, how did we? How do we connect it somehow? Because every Italian is in Utica. Well, you sent me a message yesterday asking about Jimmy Famolaro. I did. And I had to think about it for a minute, and I was like, Jimmy Famolaro? And I'm thinking that you're referencing my cousin James, who I always refer to as James. I don't know if I've ever called him Jimmy. Okay. <laughs> but there you go. So there you go. <laughs> but, but welcome to the show. It's a real pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Uh, and you are the volunteer publicity chair for the uh, American Cancer Society's Relay for Life. Yes. Yes. Yep. I got that right. Yes. Bylines. Right I, on. I love bylines. <laughs> it's my favorite thing in the world. Um, so we're going to get into that a little bit in just a moment. But uh, first, Amy, let's let's start a little bit with you as a person. Uh, Amy, where were you? Where were you born? I was born right here in Utica. You're St. Luke's kid. Yes. Actually, yeah, yes. St. Luke's. Yeah. Absolutely. 1982. So do you have? 
that same internal thing with me where it's like I was born in St. Luke's, but I was raised in Utica, so I, I don't want to talk about the fact that I was born in New Hartford, but raised, yeah, I, I do that all <laughs> Yes, time. absolutely. I just consider it all Utica, to be <laughs> honest, but... So you grew up, like, Utica in general was, like, your hometown growing yes. up, though. Mm-hmm. South Utica, East Utica, like... North Utica. North Utica, yeah. North? What was, uh, what was your childhood like in North Utica? You had family? My family, yep. My, my parents, you know, got their house there, mm. grew up there. My my grandparents all live in East Utica. Nice. So I'm half East Utica, half North Utica. I'm a little East-South action going okay, on. Okay, there you go. Combination of both. Now, um, um, do you have siblings as well, or are you only child? I do. I have an older brother, mm. and I have a twin sister. How close are you to still to the fam? You guys close at all? Very close. Very close. We literally live, like, yeah. a street. You go down <laughs> Herkimer Road, and we're all on a turnoff. That would make my mom very happy. <laughs> uh... I've moved away from Clinton. Not because I don't like hanging out with her, just because it gives me an excuse to be like, oh, that's a long drive up there. It's nasty. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I love it. No, it's good. It's good. Uh, so, and I did my research because uh, I don't know what you know about me. I uh, am a capital P professional journalist, obviously, as I sit here in my sweatpants and hooded sweatshirt with my coffee. Uh, but I researched that you went to Proctor as well. You're a Proctor student. Yes. Yeah. Now, normally when I have people who went to different school districts, I press them about the stereotypes that we, we had. Like, if, you know, I had a Hartford guy in here, I had a Waysboro guy. I was a Proctor kid as well. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you about your experience at Proctor growing up, because for me, it was, it was actually kind of important. So I'm curious what, like, what Proctor did for you. I loved it there. Um, I can't complain. I actually think that we, I mean, we went to school in like such a melting pot of culture that I don't really think we lived around the stereotypes. We were just Mm. involved with everything. One of the things, yeah, it's one of the things, I tell the, I used to tell the kids at Brocker this all the time until I got, um, until I got moved, but um, I don't think as a kid I appreciated what that diversity did for me as a human being until I went out into the real world and noticed how people reacted to people with differences. Right? It was yes. it's, it it was sort of subtle the way that it, it ingrained you with that sort of acceptance and diversity. Absolutely, I totally mm. agree. Because I think growing up in such a community like that, mm. you you're phased into it. So going out, mm. I felt like I more I met more people who were not used to it. Yes. And I, I was so used to it. And I think that it's kind of shocking how many people aren't used to it. I think it it's the same thing that, like, I'll watch, like, the news and I'll see, like, something I don't agree with. I'm like, how can people possibly agree with that? And I'm like, maybe it's because you're thinking about it as yourself and you're not putting yourself in the context that maybe you're the outlier. Maybe we're lucky that we went to a place like this and it helped build that diversity for us, at least to a certain extent. Absolutely. You know? I think we kind of are lucky to mm. have such um, culture and diversity. I, I absolutely love it. Like, I, I can't. Express enough how fun it is. <laughs> now I can't. I won't get into your uh, your current work too much, but uh, you're still around the school system as well as I, I am. am. Uh, would you say that was there interest even in Proctor and being involved with the school system going forward, or is that something that came later in life? Actually, that came later in life. Later in I life, went to yeah. school uh, college for a completely different degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, we can get rid of that because that was my next question. Oh, okay. I was just going to talk about uh, you went to Niagara University, 2004. Yes. Uh, what was that like? It was great. I, I have to say, like, I really excelled once I mm-hmm. once I left the area. Um, yeah. Always wanted to come back, but leaving the area was a great thing. So I, I did. Yeah. I was able to branch out, and I went into a major that I never knew about. I mm-hmm. always had an interest in. So and this was communications major in journalism. Communications. I focused on journalism, PR, advertising, mm-hmm. everything that comes along. Something about the journalism. Uh, degree itself. I, I remember when I went to college, I was in New York going to college for like a history, just like plain just history, history major. So for nothing, I went to college for nothing. <laughs> and, uh, but journalism was one of those things that I think was kind of romantic to me in like a sense. I was like, oh, that would be 
that's like something I'd be like, I'd feel pleased to be able to say, oh, I'm a, I'm a journalist. <laughs> it's really cool. I have to say, like, I got into it very interested in, I started watching The Weathermen yeah. when I was younger mm-hmm. On, mm-hmm. on TV, and I just like their persona. I like the way that they presented themselves. And then I, I just grew up with the idea of being able to educate. That was my form of getting into education or getting into journalism. I always wanted to educate people because sure. the stories I would cover mm-hmm. would teach somebody something. So that was what I really wanted to do. Now, did the thing about journalism for me, and we'll get off it in a second. I'm just curious about it, but journalism scared me as a major at the time. This was probably 2010, whatever it was, because I felt like traditional journalism was on the way out, and we were starting to move into this like internet-based mm-hmm. world of journalism, and that seemed like something I wasn't as interested in. I don't know if that was the same for you, but for me it was like that. And it's, because in my head, journalism is like, you work for a newspaper and you wear that hat. You know what I mean? Like, yes, yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, yeah. when I was in college, this was just 12 years ago. The media, the internet, the it wasn't all there. Yeah. You know, like all the social media and, and doing things that way. Traditional news was still well, there. You're like, you're probably in my same age range in that way where you are some of the people who remember life before, before the internet. Before the internet. Whereas I think people sort of, I'm, I was born in 86, I think I'm sort of on the low end of like, a couple years after me is sort of when people started being like, we didn't have this before? Like this is this wasn't always here for yeah. everyone to have? Yeah, yeah. There, yes, we can definitely go back and say we were here for... Did you remember people's phone numbers in your head? Did you used to be able to do that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> we had home phones, home we had landlines. You had to call people's parents, that's yeah. my favorite. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was, I was like, always awkward, you got to call your girlfriend. Never mm-hmm. was able to text, I, yeah. My mom would sometimes pick up the phone and listen to my conversation, be like, get off the phone up there! Yep. I hear you, yeah, it was different times. Or you, ca- you answer simultaneously yeah. with oh, yeah. else. These kids don't get they don't understand the struggle. It's so different. <laughs> uh, so Niagara is 2004. You have your, you get your degree, uh, communication journalism. Uh, you did go to college again after this at Grand Canyon University. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, did you, was... that lead directly in, or did you try and take that journalism degree somewhere for a while? I did first? try. Yeah. I actually worked in marketing for a while. Mm. I freelanced as a journalist for a local health magazine, which I still mm. do. And um, I got into marketing, mm. PR, and then I just. I was living the dream, but then I still wanted more, and I wasn't getting more. Sure. And I always liked kids. I always liked being mm. around the kids. And one of my jobs had a daycare center in yeah. the basement. I always wanted to be in the daycare mm-hmm. center as opposed to being in the office. So, Makes sense. <laughs> and then I decided to go in education. I got my master's mm. um, from Grand Canyon. Mm. I started working in a school district. That's Phoenix, Arizona? It is. Yeah. Did yeah. you go, what, you were out in Phoenix for a while? Or no, they actually it, had an online program. Online course was nice. Yeah, so it was How nice did you like here. the online stuff? I've always had a hard time. I like it. You like it? I do, yeah. yeah. I have a hard time not being pressed by a human being to do things. Like if Some you, people are if, like that, yeah. If you leave me two weeks to do something on my own merit, I, there's no telling when I'll start doing it or end doing it. Like it's, It just depends on how my life is going at the rest Having of the day. Having been in the online circuit, I definitely like getting my degree mm. that way, and then I also went back for mm. a second master's in special education. Well, we've gotten a lot into teaching and education and stuff yeah. here, but I do want to get into the other reason you're here today. Um, you are the volunteer publicity chair for the Relay for Life American Cancer Society. How did you um, How did you initially get involved with Relay for Life? I started, um, Relay actually came to Utica when I was 14, mm-hmm. and it started off um, as a small event at Proctor High School, walking around the track, yeah. people got together. Mm-hmm. My mother got involved yeah. through a friend had a t- who had a team, and I just started going, and, and mm. she did it just to see what it was, and it was, you know, an interesting mm-hmm. event, something different. Mm. So since then, we just started getting involved. Mm. 
And you've been co-captaining a team with your mom for years now, is what I was told? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. My mother's the captain. I'm sort of her. I'm there <laughs> You're the for assistant. her. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and cancer's, a, cancer's kind of an odd thing. I remember uh, this... I, don't, I can't look back and find exactly where I read this, but there's this fact that stuck in my head ever since I was younger. Um, and I had a friend, my friend Jay passed away from uh, cancer years ago. He's the drummer in my band. And mm. I, ever since then, I've always had this very strange sort of like circular, like spherical relationship with it where I keep, like, I'm always curious and, and I keep aware of like cancer news and things like that. But um, I think for a long time, uh, when you're young, when someone's young and has cancer, you don't think that anything bad's going to happen to them. You right. think that they'll work their way through it, and then it just didn't happen for him. But you and I, and uh, one of your uh, coworkers, Robert, uh, Robert, uh, I can't pronounce his last Olinsky. name. Olinsky, yeah. yeah, he had mentioned to me that you were a cancer survivor. So that's uh, it must be something that you hold very dear to your heart. Do you mind talking a little bit about that? With no, not ones? at all. And I'm I'm sorry to hear mm. about your friend because I definitely um, can feel you what you've gone through. It. <laughs> there was this fact, this is the point I wanted to make. The fact I had heard as a kid was that by the time human life expectancy reached 100 years of age, when every human was living to 100 years, everyone would experience some form of cancer in their lifetime, whether it was like skin cancer or melanoma or whatever. And that fact always scared me. And I think that's something that I always keep in the back of my head that like, you know, maybe the, it might just be there for everybody. It just depends on whether it it rears its head, if you will. But please, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, 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 not at all. Um, yes, I am a cancer survivor. Um, Tuesday is actually going to be celebrating my 32nd anniversary of, well, anniversary, I guess you would say, mm. of being diagnosed. I had a rare form of cancer called retinoblastoma, mm. and it affects the retina of your eye. It's found behind your pupil. Um, if you don't mind me asking, how old were you when you were diagnosed? I was with... two. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and how, do you, how can you even comprehend that as a little kid? I can't imagine. That. I gotta be honest, if if I can, like I didn't understand it growing up. Mm. I knew I always felt like I was different because I had that, you know, like it, with retinoblastoma, you lose your part of your vision yeah. depending on how mm. you're diagnosed, and, and if mm. it's unilateral, meaning if it's in one eye, or if it's bilateral, being in two, um, and I, I never understood it growing up. But as I got older, it's easier to understand mm. and, and, you know, want to make a difference mm. towards it. But, yeah, it's it's a rare form of cancer found in children under the age of five. Yeah. Um, and it can be actually one of the easiest diagnoses without going to a medical mm. facility is, you know how in pictures you get the red eye yeah. from a flash? Mm -hmm. yeah, right. If you have retinoblastoma, you have a white spot mm. covering your pupil. That's how mm. a lot of people detect it, and that's how it. actually it was detected for my parents. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know much about this particular form of cancer. This is a rare form of cancer? It's very rare, yeah. I don't know if you know the answers to this. Was it a concern at the time that, like, what were your chances of at the time? Like, is it that kind of rare, or was it just... I mean, it can get to the point where if yeah. it's not caught early, like mm. any kind of cancer, yeah. it can spread. Um, mm. Mine was caught early, mm. and my chances were very good for treatment and, and moving on beyond that well i think it's 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 great that you are involved in the american cancer society as well um because one of the things you well i had grown up believing this because of my experience with cancer in my lifetime was cancer is a death sentence like if you get cancer that's the end right right but now it does seem like we've sort of as I'm also older than I realize I am. Like when I, that's 15 years ago, probably was the last time I really gave a whole bunch of thought about it. Now the technology has changed and the medication has changed. 
I don't think that the belief is still there anymore that if you get cancer, that's the end. Most people, I feel like, feel like if you have cancer now, this is something I can fight my way through. And the hope is that we're getting more in that direction. And I would imagine that your involvement with Relay for Life is a big part of, like, moving forward in this direction. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know just within, I mean, the American Cancer Society has been doing the Relay here in Utica yeah. for about 20 years mm -hmm. or a little more. Um, and they've definitely grown in the medical um, side of it, the awareness side of it. I think with time and technology that, you know, things have been developed where, yeah, it's not a death sentence. There are there are methods or treatments. There's medical procedures you can do that you can survive it. And there's, I think, a greater ratio of survivorship mm -hmm. because of this and early detection and getting the word out about it. Now, because you had cancer at such a young age, um, I'm not exactly sure how this question would frame for you. Do you um, like how long were you diagnosed with it? You, you got it at... Uh, like when, when did you go into remission, I suppose? Or when did you um, get it? Yeah. I was diagnosed at two years old. I... Between Syracuse and New York City, yeah. I was traveling back and forth because this you yeah. never heard of this in the 80s. Yeah. Um, within nine weeks of treatment, I was okay. in remission. So it's it's kind of hard to gauge as, at such a young age, but how do you feel like having cancer at such a young age changed your life? Like, Did it, did it affect your life going forward? Is it always in the back of your head because of that? Or? Absolutely. It's kind of yeah. like the elephant in the room because sure. I know I had it, mm -hmm. and I mean, not everybody would can tell or you know it's nothing i would always project in like sure, a conversation sure, it's not a very good conversation starter yeah. but um it was always for me difficult because it was hard to accept growing up because mm. again it was that elephant i felt different, different. i knew it was there um but as i grew up got more accepting of it and realized that my experience could help others mm -hmm. so i was able to kind of accept it more and move on and and instead of saying why me i was saying why not me mm. And I exactly. can help yeah. and, and get more involved. Yeah, and and I I love the relay events. I was involved with a few of them back in the day because I used to play in bands. Right, that was our thing. And, right. and my drummer Jay, who would um, he had I, I got to be honest, I'd have to look back in the we have a book that they wrote about him. Uh, but he he had cancer for five years. It was five years, right? He got it um, in like two thousand. He died in two thousand five. Mm -hmm. And he and what was scary when we were younger was he would have these periods where it was really bad and then it would go into remission and then it would come back and then it would go into remission again. Right. So after a while you got sort of lulled into this sense of like, well, maybe this is just how it's going to be for him. Like he'll have periods where he's good and periods where he's bad. And I remember, I remember going to the hospital to visit him once toward the end and we didn't know it was toward the end, right? Because at this point in time it's been so long that we're right. like, ah, just another session of chemo. He'll be, you know, he'll be back up in a few yeah, weeks. Exactly. And I remember going to see him the last time and he looked really bad and I think he knew right I think he at that moment he probably knew that this was the last time we were going to see him although we just didn't we didn't it, it never popped he into our head you. young people don't die from cancer that was that was like the thought in our brain like that's just the way it is you know um but yeah I think and I think when and I think the point I'm kind of getting at and, and you can maybe agree with this if, if you agree is it's hard to comprehend it until it rears its head into your sphere of your life, whether it's a family member or a friend or yourself personally, sometimes you take for granted how scary it is, right, How for people and, and how helpless it can make them feel. Absolutely, mm. because, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that everyone's affected by cancer, yeah. not just the person diagnosed, mm. family, friends, um, and it does it does rear its head mm. in a, you know, not a good way when yeah. it's really bad and... Uh, well, let's get to 
Well, let's get into a little bit of the relay. That's because I want to talk a couple things before we get into the last section. Uh, the relay event itself takes place on June 10th. Yes. Okay, wonderful. And that is Saturday, June 10th, and Sunday, June 11th in 20, uh, 2017. But you guys actually have your kickoff event on February 16th. How can people get involved in that if they want to uh, help out or start a team or anything? Well, the re- yeah, we have a kickoff um, February 16th. It kind of marks the start of the relay season. Mm-hmm. So from sure. February 16th to June um, till the event, we can fundraise and people can sign up to participate. Sponsors can come in. People can... Um, Get involved in so many different ways. The kickoff event is like a general informational session where we send invitations out to past participants, anybody who we think is interested, um, and we just invite them to come to, we have it, this year it's going to be at the Holiday Inn um, at 6 p.m. in the Business Park. Mm -hmm. And people can come in. We have speakers. We have presentations. We have little videos that people can see. Mm-hmm. And it's more or less like that general information session for mm-hmm. people to want to get involved. And I want to say I'd have to go back in my records because, as I mentioned, I'm a poor journalist. Uh, but I want to say Robert had mentioned I think last year you guys raised $120,000 from the last event or something along those lines, he which would is be insane. Better, yeah, yeah, he would be better and more accurate mm-hmm. with the numbers, but we do raise a lot of money mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we um, Utica itself is a big event, but the events also branched mm-hmm. off into different areas in the Mohawk Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, we have probably six or six mm-hmm. to eight or six to nine mm-hmm. different sites that raise money. Uh, and as someone who's been on a team for a long time, can you just run quickly through the process of what's like involved in being part of the team, like how the setup is? Just yeah, for our, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I mean, once you um, decide you want to form a team, you can sign up with the American Cancer Society, the Utica office, or we have a website, mm-hmm. um, relayforlife.org, slash Utica NY, mm-hmm. and you can, it's it's simple as just a click of a button, you mm-hmm. join, you sign mm-hmm. up, and you register, and from then on, you're, um, you're put into the mail system, the email system, the alerts, mm-hmm. and they have captain's meetings, so Wonderful. you, if you want to have a team, you die, uh, has somebody yeah, yeah you yeah. apply them. Yeah, yes yeah, yeah. you and then somebody on your team becomes the captain sure. they take that lead uh and then you go captain's meetings we have so much information every captain's mm-hmm. meeting is different about what to expect what you need mm-hmm. um how to prepare and then it's just a matter of getting people involved do you want your family involved your friends involved Wonderful. Well, Amy, again, it's a great program, and I, I'm, I've been lucky enough to be involved with it in the past, and I'm very happy to have you here talking about it today. Thank you. Again, listeners, if you want to be involved or start a team or give back to the community in any sort of way, relayforlife.org backslash Utica, New York. Go online. Use your cell phones, your pocket computers. You have, you're on your phones all the time. Just go to the website. Amy, <laughs> uh, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Um, I don't know if this is something you're interested in doing, but if there are people who uh, who are struggling with cancer stuff and are interested in reaching out, is there any way they could contact you particularly? Is that something you're interested in or no? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't absolutely. Know. I want to put you in the spot. No, you're like, no, talk no, to these no. people. I like, mean, I, I can give my email out. Yeah, sure. um, if you want to, you're more than welcome to do uh, Yeah, anybody can contact me at alpastorella at gmail.com if they want to talk. And, and I can definitely give answers to, you know, finding solutions. Bob Alinskis is yeah. very good at the Cancer Society. He's our main man. I had a great email. I feel bad because I'm the worst emailer of all time. So he emailed me, and we had a couple emails back and forth. But I think my 
my spectrum for how many emails I can pay attention to before I start losing the train of thought is about three. Once I get past three, then I'm like, I don't know how to respond to this anymore. It's just yeah. like, fine, Sam. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I feel bad if I, I didn't I didn't probably get back to Robert as best as I could. He is he, definitely, he's the community director yeah. for our Utica event. He runs a couple up north at the same time, the yeah. same weekend. So he's back and forth a lot, but he's always available. Well, uh, Amy, it's a real pleasure that you've been here on the show. Before I let you go today, though, it is time to do the lightning round questions. These are the same six questions that we ask every guest on the Uticast, and we will start with the first question, which you've already answered for me because you don't drink it, but how do you take your coffee in the morning? I do not drink coffee. So no caffeine person? No, no. No I'm a hot chocolate person, a tea person, but it's always decaf. Mm. I kind of feel like I have that natural morning pep, so I don't... So would you drink decaf coffee, though? No. You, so you don't like you don't like, I don't like any coffee. Okay. Interesting. No coffee, yeah. I'm just gonna drink this whole bottle for myself, and that's fine. <laughs> uh, so uh, you're not that much older than me, so I imagine that our first cars were very similar. But what was your first automobile? My first car was a 2000 Chevy Cavalier. Mm. Two doors, silver. Yes. It had a little lining on yes. the side of it. The two-door Cavalier was a classic okay. car from that era. I loved it. I actually <laughs> I drove it so long. I ran it into the ground. I had to get rid of it. It was. Very sad. Well, you may or may not have taken uh, that Cavalier to see this event, uh, but what was your first uh, rock concert or live music event? I actually went to go see Three Doors Down. Three Doors Down. Yes. Yes. I have to say my first wasn't until college, but they came Mm. to our campus, and right outside my dorm, they had a celebration in the quad. Nice. I I was right at the stage. You know what's funny about Three Doors Down is, like, I remember that. I remember them for that song, Kryptonite. Yeah. And then they had a bunch of songs after that, and they're still sort of around, but people still remember that one song. And I'm like, what? Like, this song was sort of famous, but, like, it's weird that, like, that song came on the radio and, like, one of the kids in my class, like, I know that song. Like, why do you know this song? This yeah. was not popular. I know. It's like a buzzword. Kryptonite. Kryptonite, I know. You have to know it. There's 100,000 songs about Superman. Like, anywhere, everyone wrote a song about Superman. I'm going to write a Batman song. There you go. <laughs> uh, speaking of music, uh, this is sort of in the same line. Give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. The book I'm reading is called Teacher's Billionaire. Mm. Um, the music I listen to is anything. anything. Billy Joel's number one, mm. Josh Groban, Carrie Underwood, mm. but yep. I like anything. Yep. Um, TV shows, mm. there's a few. I don't have time for TV Honestly, sometimes. Honestly, I, I don't like. watch a lot of TV lately. I watch a lot of Netflix, but I don't watch a lot of actual television. I got into Sling TV. Oh, nice. You like it? Yeah, I do. I'm trying to get my stepdad and my mom into doing, like, the get a Roku box or something TV or Apple TV, because I'm trying to get them off, like, the... That. I'm getting them off cable. It's too it. expensive. They pay too much money I for like it. it. Yeah. I like it. They, Sling TV says take your TV back, and yeah. you definitely do. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to set a little scenario here for you. Uh, you are the world women's wrestling heavyweight champion, and you are walking down the ramp to the ring to defend your heavyweight title. The crowd is cheering your name. What theme song is playing in the background as you make your way down there? <laughs> I'm going to go classical. Classical. Honestly, I'm going to go sure. classical with maybe a rock twist that could be added in. Sure. Frank Sinatra's I Did It My Way. Frank Sinatra, my way. Absolutely. I like it. I just I like, like it. the title and the... Yeah, you are Italian, aren't you? I am. Did you... <laughs> Did you get stuck with like listening to that when you were a kid? My my grand my dad only owned three CDs. He owned Frank Sinatra's Legend and no, sorry, Bob Marley's Legend, Frank Sinatra's Reprise, and then Greatest Hits of Bruce Springsteen. And those were the only albums that he listened to. Uh, all Italian. My grandparents and mm. Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, the Rat Pack, mm. everything. Because I've worked in too many Italian restaurants, 
I go up and down with Sinatra. Like I, I love Sinatra as a nostalgically like Italian thing that my dad listened to when we were kids, my grandparents. But after I worked in Italian restaurants for so long, got to a point where I was like, I can't listen to another Frank Sinatra song. Don't make me do it again. Stop. I, I have my moments, but I definitely grew up with no, that's a good one, um, big, big Italian family. So, uh, And besides your Italian family uh, and your involvement with the American Cancer Society and your involvement in the uh, Utica City School District, uh, give us one more thing, Amy, that you are passionate about. Helping others. Helping others. Really. Yeah. I, I really like to be out there for helping others, doing things in the community, being involved. And, um, yeah, it's just that presence mm. of being able to want to do something. It's what well, if you don't have that, I think some people, and whether it's circumstantial and you build it over time or you're just sort of born with it, I think there is a certain innate uh, part of somebody that either likes to help people or is disinterested in being involved with the outside world. And I don't know if that's something that it probably changes as you get older, but somewhere along the line, you feel that, uh, that swell of pride from helping people that either stays with you your whole life or it blows right by you. Most and it's, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I can go off and say I have a ton of interest. I mm-hmm. like to go shopping, watch movies mm-hmm. as much as everybody else. But I mean, if I had to get down to mm-hmm. the heart of it, like that's something I would really mm-hmm. like enjoy spending my time with. Speaking of movies, you should go see Hidden Figures. It was awesome. I guarantee it was good. I go heard, watch it. I can't I, wait to go see I it. I took the kids to see it, guys. It was it was awesome. That's fantastic. I, I told our shared students, yeah. I said, you got to take notes. you got to let me know how it went because I uh, really want to see it. They they were annoyed at me because I kept talking about how attractive Janelle Monet is. That <laughs> I'm like, you understand. She's like, she's my number one. <laughs> I, uh, Amy, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for uh, thank you for being here. Again, folks, if you want to get involved, uh, relayforlife.org backslash Utica, New York. Uh, start a team. Donate. Get involved one way or the other. Amy, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you. Thank you so much. So much. It's my pleasure. And folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. For what is a man? What has he got? If not himself, then he has not to say the things he truly feels and not the more time to uh, Amy Pastorella. If you are interested in starting a team for the Relay for Life, go to relayforlife.org backslash Utica, New York. Um, or again, you know, reach out to us or to Amy as she provided all her contact information. It's really important. Find anybody, man. Relay for Life's not hard to get a hold of. Yeah. Most no, people not. aren't hard to get a hold of. And it's cool because they do it everywhere. Mm. So I know, that, I know that we have some people specifically that I've heard of that listen to us, you know, that live all over the country. A couple people even internationally. I don't know if they can get it, but like that's a really cool thing about the Relay for Life is no matter where you live, you can find one to get involved with. And if you've never been, uh, whether you've been touched by cancer or not, you should go. They're really, I don't say it lightly, like it's really a magical mm. event what these people do with Relay for Life. It's one of the most inspiring things I've ever personally seen mm. anywhere. Mm. Very true. And we've had, you know, we've been mm. 
we've been close to it over the years, and you've it's always in, a good we've event. We've been in a bunch when we participate oh, yeah. a lot. We've actually we played in a couple. Do you remember that one we played at at JFK? Yes, played with I the do band. Remember that the Relay for Life at like noon on a Sunday. <laughs> they were rocking out. They were they were rocking it. out. They had a good time. They were they were enjoying themselves. It's always a good time, and it, and honestly, the numbers for the amount of people and how much money they make it for you know, for these causes is is really staggering. It's cool to like camp out for the whole weekend too. Yeah, like you get like that sort of festival vibe where everybody's like camped out and hanging out together. But it's still close enough that you can like drive back to your house quick if you, you need to. You get a snack, yeah, of course, yeah, it's good. Uh, so let's get into this week's history lesson. I actually had, oh, dear God, I actually you see me and Mars shoulders droop. <laughs> <laughs> I really I only, I'll only do one this week. I only do one. It better be a good one. It is a good one. On this day in 1919, the 18th Amendment to the United States Constitution took effect and prohibition began in America, lasting for 14 years. Uh, I can't imagine the fervor that would take place if we tried to pass that today, right? If they just came out and were like, hey, no more booze, everybody. That would, would not would not take fourteen years for us to repeal that anymore. No. Yeah, that would take no. about a day. Although everything I've ever read about prohibition was like in that fourteen years, it didn't really stop people from drinking at all. No. Sort of like how you know, in the bunch of years where they banned, I don't know, let's say gay marriage, it didn't really stop people from being gay. It's true. It's a similar like you're not gonna you. There's certain things that people are gonna do that you you can't legislate against, and we're seeing the same thing with marijuana now. Like it's yeah. time just. Legalize. Look at all the money they're bringing into these states they've legalized. It's silly. Because, I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, if you were going to go, you know, if you were going to, nobody should ever drive under the influence of anything, but I use this for the metaphor. Like, if you were going to get in the car with somebody, would you rather get mm. in the car with somebody who was drunk or somebody who had smoked marijuana? Mm. Would you rather hire somebody who drank every day or would you rather hire somebody who smoked weed every day? Well, it's one of those things where it's just silly, and you're not going to stop the people, so let's let it go, let's tax it, let's make some money. I'm actually surprised that more people have not jumped on the, at least from a political standpoint, like, wow, look at all the money we can make from legalizing yeah. marijuana. They will. We, they will. There's sort of bigger fish to fry right now, it feels like. Hmm. And we've also, we've got to wait for, a lot of people were affected by a lot of that war on drugs propaganda through the 70s and 80s yeah. really, really hard, and we've got to wait for a lot of those people to shed their mortal coil and mm. move on to the next existence there, and so that, you know, can actually build a future. Yeah. Right. Prohibition. 14 years in Obu's. It just made for cooler bars and speakeasies. It's, it's That's true. about all it did. It's like anything else. Uh, guys, I, I found a, I found an app this week that I am I am fascinated with. I love it. Totally fascinated with it, because I feel like it's something that I should have invented. That's a segment that we should do in the show. Things oh, we feel like we should have invented. Uh, and this is when... Do you guys like you guys aren't really New Year's resolution people? I think we talked about that already. But um, are you like uh, are you a procrastinator? Yeah, it's all I do. Procrastinate, love yeah. procrastinate. It's it's the only thing I don't put off is procrastinating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, so I heard about this new app, and I think it's fascinating. It's called Nagbot. And Nagbot is inherently just a reminder app. It's free, and you can choose the level of meanness so that it can hassle you in the morning about stuff you're supposed to I'm do. I'm downloading that literally right now. You do? Right now. Like, so I was they, actually looking for something like yeah, that today. Yeah, it's called Nagbot. The idea being, let's say you you have a you want to do yoga every day. Like, let's say I'm trying to do yoga five days a week. You set you know the dates, obviously, and it'll send you a text message. It'll be like, hey, did you do yoga today? And you'll say... Yeah, I did. And it'll say, cool, good job. But if you say no, it will respond with, you're dead to me, 
or you make me sick. Or like depending on how hard you want it to be and you can customize how mean it is. You know what's funny is I've like started saying that to myself like when I remember to do something. I'm like, good job, Mara. Good it job. makes me feel better. <laughs> how do you spell it? I can't find it. I'm going to look at it. I think it's one word. We'll look it up and I'll look it up for you in a minute. Nagbot. I'm very fascinated by Nagbot. That's uh, you know, you're a fascinated guy. <laughs> we'll fascinate you. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, I'll tell you another one that fascinates me. This is a great New York City story. I found this in the New York Post today. And this is one of my favorite stories of all time. Okay. Okay. So when I left New York, uh, something happened where we were one of the few apartments that got uh, left in this apartment. One of the few people who left in this apartment building. So they had to pay us all to leave. Um, so in 2004... Uh, these two gentlemen, uh, Will and Arthur uh, Zekendoff, bought the Mayflower Hotel in New York City, and there were four people who lived in the building at the time, and they had to pay them out so that they could leave and f- uh, finance the building. <laughs> They'd been there for so long that it cost them upwards of $20 million to pay these four people to leave. <laughs> and one of them was so cantankerous, he got $17 million of that $20 million Whoa. just for hanging around in this building for so long they couldn't kick him out without paying him. I respect the hell out of that. I, dude, this guy That's is my... Move. I like that. He's my all-time hero. His name is Herbert uh, Sukunik. And apparently, this is the, how they described him, highly intellectual, PhD, unmarried, embittered, a loner, disconnected from society, too smart for his own good. He was not a poor man. He had independent means. Goals. <laughs> this is like personal goals. life goals. And he, wow. <laughs> so he, not only did he establish a setup where he, they had to pay him $17 million to leave, he also set up a scenario where he would pay a dollar a month to rent an apartment in the new building for the rest of the time that he was alive. He immediately paid $120 for 10 years of rent like and said that if, if he died in those 10 years, they'd have to prorate that amount back to him. Holy oh, shit. Amazing. <laughs> lo and behold. Amazing. Lo behold. How d- old is old boy here? Well, he died in 2011, so he never did get that $98 of rent <laughs> sent back to oh, him. I, just, I hope he had enough time to enjoy his millions. He spent, supposedly, he spent seven of the $10 million. The rest of uh, the rest of the ten was uh, passed on to his family. God, so I love it. Herbert Sukunin, you are now my hero of 2017. Official until honorary good friend of the podcast. Official <laughs> Uh, guys, uh, a little overrated, underrated here for you today. Uh, based on a story I read about the Ringling Brothers Circus, 146 years the Ringling Brothers Circus has been um, has been in service, and as of this year, they are closing their doors. No more Ringling Brothers Circus. Well, they had to get rid of their elephant elephants last year. Yeah. So yeah. What about the elephants. We may have yeah. we may have talked about this overrated underrated the circus as a thing underrated underrated yeah. well the circus is a link to like a, a different time an older world yeah. I'm not down with like they treated a lot of elephants really poorly and I'm a big animal guy so I didn't like that and mm-hmm. anything where you know you're treating animals poorly or you know being exploitative like that I can't get behind but the concept of the circus I have warm memories of the circus when I was a kid mm-hmm. and it's not a lot of people performing live in a way like that anymore. Like, it just mm. sort of harkens back to a different time. I think you could repackage the circus concept and take it back out and do oh, really yeah. well with it. You would have to tweak it and do some different things, but if you put together, like, a traveling show of people performing these different feats and oddities that oh, you they could do. get in a wild thing like that. They do that a lot in, like, California and stuff. They have, like, traveling freak shows. 
There was a show about it on Netflix and stuff. I mean, it's a lot more intense than it used to be because nobody really cares about a clown making like a balloon animal. Mm, the and, bearded woman. Yeah. You know, slipping on a banana peel and stuff. So it's a lot more intense so that you can get people's uh, interest now. But mm-hmm. if anything, I love the new version of the circus, but I wish it did carry more to the old feel. Mm. You know what I mean? But it's definitely around, <laughs> but I think it's totally underrated. Mm. See, I feel like it's underrated now, although as you get... When I was a kid, I used to like going to the circus. I loved it, right? Yeah. And as you get older, much like everything else in life, you start to see the layers of greasiness that sort of exist with the circus, Uh right? Like, the idea of the circus as this romantic traveling band of performers and, Mm -hmm. like, animals, like... I feel like that doesn't exist now. Like, the circus that you get today when someone rolls in is, like, in the back of trucks, and it just seems very... I don't know. Everyone's drinking. Yeah. Everyone's... You know, all the clowns are, like, hammered. It's just... I don't know. It's (laughs) just a dark feeling now. I like the greasiness as long as it's honest. Yeah, honest And as long as you're not doing anything exploitative. (laughs) I think that there's something... I think there's beauty to be found in that level of sort of ugliness that's out there. Mm. Um, and I, I, I kind of like the darkness too. I you know what I mean? Like yeah. I like, that's really intriguing to me. That whole element mm-hmm. of the circus is like this sort of like the darkness going on behind the bright lights and big smiles on the clowns and stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah. I just read too many scary books the, when I was a kid. The thing is, there's just, just no way that kids are going to be entertained by that anymore with what the, they have now. You need a digital circus, like a oh. circus app for your phone. Oh <laughs> you God, don't say that because then it'll be real. It, I'm doing it right now. I'm already oh. signing on. That's sad. All right, guys. Um. We have some extra mailbag questions from the last week that we didn't get to. Oh, so, so I fig- many. Yeah, I know. I know. Wow. I know. A couple <laughs> New year, new mailbag. <laughs> new year, new mailbag. So we're going to knock through a couple of them. Uh, oh, you still wearing the 2017 shades? Very good. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's start off with a couple mailbag questions here for you. Uh, first one. Uh, what is your favorite way to spend 20 minutes of free time? 20 minutes of free time. What? 20 minutes. 20 minutes of free time. You have 20, 20, minutes, minutes. 20 minutes isn't free time. That's not fair. Mm. 20 minutes is not free time. Free fair. time is 70 minutes. It needs to be 70 minutes because you need a full hour and you need the five minutes to get started and the five minutes to wrap up. Yes, it's 20 fair. minutes isn't free time. Um, in, in the interest of the mailbag question, come back to me and I'll have something great after Dang. somebody else goes. Mm. All right, so you're going to let me bite the dust. All right. Um, eat. Eating is the best. <laughs> no, you know what? That's the only thing I, I used think to. Of. I used to get twenty minute breaks at my job, yeah. and it was always, almost always a food break. Like how that much is, time can I? Like which, how much can I fit in my mouth eating within twenty minutes? Honestly, that's it's, a good it's more game. of a race, if anything. We're gonna play that game after we leave because I haven't eaten lunch yet today. Yes. So yeah, uh, I think for me, like I. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say, and I'm, I know it's the obvious answer, but I feel like the answer is obviously just get on your cell phone. Because we've set up a place in our society, like, there is no place in society anymore when you can be on your cell phone where you're not going to catch shit for it. Mm-hmm. Unless you're alone in your house or in the bathroom, if you're walking in That's and... That's crap. Where do you get shit from? From anybody. In general, like, you're not really supposed to be on your phone ever. This is- I feel I've like, never experienced this. I've never seen it in the wild. You really? know, I, see, not yeah. really. Maybe like if you're sitting, if you're sitting socially in a conversation on your phone, I can see that. Mm. But like when you're by yourself, if you're at work, well, who's going to tell you? Yeah. A stranger? All right, so if you're at work, there's no chance you're ever on your cell phone, right? At least in certain jobs. At least for me, I like, can't get my phone out of my hand at work. See, I, I'm, well, but I, it's my but that's phone. Where you work, yeah, my phone is a function of my job, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a fair point. I sit at a computer, so a lot of times, I, I a do lot of my work well, is. But it comes yeah, in all over, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I feel like 
I get what you mean. Do you know what I mean? Like, like last night we were sitting around, like even the four of us watching a football game and three of us were on our phones and one of us was watching the game at any given time. And part of me is like... I just do that so I don't jump off the roof out of boredom when the NFL's on TV. That's a fair point. Fair point. Um, you want mine? I yeah. do. I do want yours. Time, sit quietly and close your eyes. Mm. And don't do anything. Meditate. You, you don't have to call it meditating if you don't... If, that, if, if meditate... Yeah. For you, because you're a little bit more evolved. But like, if the word meditating makes you feel uncomfortable, you don't have to call it that. Just sit quietly. Sit quietly, breathe, think, get your head straight. That is probably more valuable for me if I get an extra 20 minutes, especially mm. during a work day, than just about anything else that I can do with that time. Mm. All right. Uh, what is the worst place you've ever been Wrong. stuck? <laughs> what? <laughs> what happened? What is the worst place you've ever been stuck for a long period of time? A car crash. <laughs> car crash? Yeah. Yeah. I was stuck in my car for like two hours before oh. the ambulance got to me. Because I got lost because I was in the middle of nowhere. What? So you stayed in the car? I was stuck in the car. Stuck in the car. Like the like the steering wheel was like stuck underneath Ooh. like my rib cage. Like I wasn't going anywhere. They had to literally rip my car into four different pieces. Like chop that baby up and then pull me from the top. Oh. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's how I do it. <laughs> I feel like that's the... Bury the lead on this question. It's a better story than I could have. Sorry, came guys, with. I should have went last. Kev, <laughs> what you got? Oh man, I, I'm trying to. The worst place that I've ever, the worst place you could get stuck, or the worst place I've ever been. You've been stuck. stuck. You've been yeah. stuck. The worst place that I've ever been stuck. Man, I feel like there's there, I, there's so many different answers I could give, and if I think about it, I'm, what's going to happen is I'm going to come up with my real answer like two hours from now. Oh, of yeah, course, later tonight so that's going to pop up. Right off the top of my head, though, I mean, some of the worst places I've ever been stuck. Other than being stuck, like, have you ever gotten stuck at, like, a hospital? Oh, yeah. I don't necessarily mean stuck, like, especially if you're there with, like, you know, somebody you care about very much, but, like, when you just, when you get in one of those situations where you're like, I've seen so much of this hospital that I can't get away from it. Yes. That's, that's yeah, yeah. pretty tough. That's fair. Pretty tough. And also, it's uh, awful when you, I don't know if you've ever had a situation where maybe you you ended up at on the end of a long night um, at somebody's house who isn't yours yes oh yes my you God. wake up and you're mm-hmm. still at that person's house <laughs> yep and yep. you know you get stuck for for whatever reason something comes up where you're stuck there for however it worked out maybe you like didn't bring your car you've got some some situation oh my God. where you can't exit and you want to and so it becomes horrible that's pretty bad oh yes. my gosh that is really bad that scenario exists except i don't sleep at people i i will go out of my way to not sleep at somebody's house old man me will do the same but when yeah. you're younger you don't care as much even back then i mean i just call a cab because i don't ever want to stay anywhere besides my own bed oh no i'm the worst one anywhere if i can oh, get to opposite. my own bed i used oh, yeah? to be. yeah I, yeah i hate i hate staying in my own bed i like being everywhere i'd rather like sleep on the floor i was literally the somewhere. exact same way when i was your age it changes. I was so much. I don't really have like a sense of home, and I could really care less about my bed. So it's like it's been like that my whole life. So I'm kind mm-hmm. of okay with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, the answer is the Cincinnati slash Northern Kentucky International Airport. Very specifically. Uh, oh, I remember that for yeah, you. Yeah, we were on. Kevin and I were on tour with the band. See, I feel like something like that happened oh, to me one time where I got stuck yeah. hard somewhere, and I had to go. From wherever we were in the tour, you guys were dropping me off at the Cincinnati airport because I was flying to Chicago mm-hmm. to visit my sister from Cincinnati. I was doing Cincinnati to Chicago. Yes, we were coming back from Columbus, and it was the last date, and then we were driving home. Yep. And what happened is by the time we got to the Cincinnati airport, it was 3 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And my flight was not until 10. So I was like, no, don't worry, guys. Just drop me off. I'll go in, and I'll just take Chill. a nap for a couple hours, right? Here's the problem. 
at three in the morning at the airport, there's nobody at any of the ticket gates to get your ticket from. So until someone comes in to start working for the day, right, uh, I couldn't get my ticket. So I'm just stuck in that, in the space between the doorway of the airport and the actual terminals. Like, I'm in, like, that middle ground. So I remember falling asleep next to a vending machine for five hours. I also ate six bags of Sun Chips. It was one of the worst moments of my life. You know what's another one? You want to talk about something you and me were both there for? I don't know if you remember. Um, We went, we took a trip when we were younger, like, maybe seniors in high school or something. Um, A bunch of us boys and a bunch of the girls went to Darien Lake. Yup. For senior weekend, yep. we stayed up all night drinking, uh, <laughs> ruining our relationships by playing Never Have I Ever. Yep. And, <laughs> yep. The, and so we finally all like fell asleep or passed out or whatever at maybe 4.35 in the morning. Mm. Then at about 6.15 in the morning, the fire alarm goes off at the hotel. Mm, and we all God. had to charge outside, hungover, everybody's mad at everybody, and it was cold out. And we're all wrapped up in blankets, and we were out there for like an hour. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was pretty bad. That was an intense... That story makes me feel so good. <laughs> and uh, I day. loved it when stuff like that happened when I was younger. It was the best, because then you just never forget about it, and then you can just talk about it now, and it's hysterical. Yeah, but it's not the best in the moment. Yeah, kind it's, of. <laughs> when you're out there, and it's 45 degrees, and like... Oh, you've it was been, cold? Yeah, I forget. Yeah, that. you've been asleep for two hours, and you've still got liquor coursing through your system, so you're not weird ground between still drunk and hungover and it's 40 degrees in your pajamas and like everybody's fighting with their relationships yeah i can imagine You're and to think right. if they hadn't returned you know returned prohibition we never would have had this problem because we wouldn't have been allowed to drink we would have found a way we would have found a way all right and uh last question uh this is actually sent in from my mom she Aww. wanted to send a question in. my mom feels jealous that we never like that we don't you know Reference her in any positive way, she tells me. Oh, my God. How the hell? I, I, Angela is a saint, and I say I it every every I, time. I know. I will reference her positively every single show. <laughs> uh, so, every her, show. so her question, uh, I think she's just trolling me. Uh, what fashion trend are you really glad went away? Mm-hmm. Oh. I, can take a start. I can take a lead here on this one if you'd like. Yes, please. Uh, and it's because I fell into this trap. And this is what happens sometimes when you fall into traps of like fashion trends, and then you phase out of them, because then you're stuck with those fashion trends still around. And my answer is gonna be boot cut jeans. And oh, now yes, and I knew it. it's not to say that you can't wear a pair of boot cut jeans, but there was a particular way that jeans and pants were worn in the early two thousands, uh, where almost your whole shoe would be covered. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It is a really unappealing look. And in hindsight, I have some of those pants still floating around and they're useless. You can't use Are them you for about anything. Boot cut or bell bottoms? The bell bottoms, that was in the 70s. Bell bottoms were the flares, because I was actually going to say bell bottoms. Well, is it, well, they didn't call them bell bottoms in our age. They called them like. Well, flare jeans. Flare jeans. The male version of that is boot cut. They don't make oh, flare okay. jeans for men, I don't think. If they do, I missed out on that trend. I think they're all black and covered in chains, mm. those ones. Now, I know you wanted me to say frosted tips because I've talked about it oh, before, but we, we can get past. I think there was a. It, it's back now. I've seen people wearing frosted tips. It's back again. Leave it alone. Don't do that to me. Kev? Um, I'll tell you which one I don't like that I can't wait to see it go. Um, the and the high waisted shorts, got to be done. Really? It's gotta be over. What? It's such a bad look. I can't help it. I, I'm sorry. Disagree. To everybody. Women, have you been seeing in high waisted shorts that looks bad? Mm. All of them, no matter how good. I, I, it's, it's a bad look. I don't like it. And you know, I, I get it. 
Every, a lot of people do it, and I don't mean to make everybody angry. What'd you say? I said those are the only shorts I own. They work be- for my body type. I believe uh. it because you're, you're a young hipster. I get it. That's what they all have. Uh. But like, oh, you know, it's what? I'm just not even it's, get into it. it's something we can get into it off the air too. But that's one that um, I number one, a lot of times it looks like an excuse to just hang a lot of cheek. You're like, no, see, these shorts aren't that short. They're 42 inches long. I'm like, yeah, 42 inches, they start at your shoulders. Yeah, but that's had nothing to do with high-waisted shorts. That just has to do with shorts in general now. Your butt cheeks are always hanging out. And you can just choose not to be nasty and have your butt cheeks hanging out. Because I saw a lot of butt cheeks this summer, and they weren't all high-waisted shorts. They were just nasties. Stop being nasty. Cheeks. No, that's fine. Keep that up. That's <laughs> wonderful. All, all you ladies in the rompers, um, God bless. Pepper but about it's, um, no, it's it's just the, the, the silhouette. That it, that it cuts and where the cuts are like the same thing back when it used to be very popular to wear any pants very high waisted I think mm. it looks silly like if you go back and you watch like um go back and watch I Love Lucy and look at Fred Mertz's uh, pants uh, uh. the pants pulled up that high is a bad look like the pants that are pulled up to the belly button I don't like it no matter who does it and it's only come into vogue with really women lately in mm. high waisted shorts um for guys stuff though what am I glad to see gone the the frosted tips were funny to me. Like I was just laughing frosted tips. I'm trying to think of one that I'm happy that. What do you guys think of crop tops, as a man? As men, I think boys. I think that I think that generally, uh, the guys probably think about all of it less than the girls might think that we do. Yeah. To speak in like large generalities. I'm saying like, do you think it's acceptable for what like? Like I don't know. Like, are it's, you okay? Like, do you think it's gross? It's like it's like anything with fashion. If you can pull it off, you yeah. Can pull it off. Okay, all right. You know what like, I mean? like it, it, that's the thing too. I don't like it. Also, era specifically. I'm wearing this old champion sweater sweatshirt right now. This is an older sweatshirt. It's cut the gray differently. Gray crew neck sweatshirt. Yeah, but it's cut differently. It's shorter than it would normally. Nah, be. nah. I'm talking like crop tops. I don't. I know. I've ever seen a man wear a crop top. Like for anything other than like a joke. No, of course she's talking haven't. about women's. Oh. <laughs> she's saying you as a man with the women. He's like, I don't oh. know this kind of. I didn't know that was a thing that existed that men wore crops. I was like, that seems like a silly look for men. You know which one I'm happy is gone? The sketchy jeans with no pockets on the butt. Oh, oh that is not gone. Those are called jeggings. <laughs> no, 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 no. I. I'll show you some pictures of some things oh, that were going on. Oh, you mean where there's 98. not even like a fake one? Made by a brand called Mud, M-U-D-D. Yeah, no, I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Mud flaps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah All right. Uh, I feel like guys, it's, guys with fashion trends just stay pretty similar even when they change a little bit except for the man it's bun. all a lot of the same yeah that's that's silly like that's, I like the man bun. I like it too do you really Sam yeah I dig it yeah Run your I think again much like anything else if you are confident enough to pull that off and it looks fine it's, it's all about confidence I wouldn't feel confident that's enough true. Wearing a man bun. I'd look silly on me because I'd be thinking about it the whole time. Like, right. I look weird with a man bun. It'd be saying that's what it comes down to. Too. At the end of the day, I don't generally care what anybody chooses mm. to like wear or do or anything like that. At the end of the day, I don't care about anybody at all. Great point. None of you. Fair point. Great point. <laughs> Folks, I don't care. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you again to Amy Pastorella. Uh, RelayForLife.org backslash Utica NY for interested in getting a team started for the Relay for Life. Uh, follow Mara on Twitter at Mara Olivia with two A's. Follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SF Doom. Also follow the show at Uticast. Send us an email at Uticast at gmail.com. Check out the website Uticast.com. We are on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, 315 Live. That's all I got. Mara, take me to food. Take me where the food is. We're going to go eat stuff now. Stuff. Hungry. Hungry. Hungry.